If you think you have all the answers, if you think you know everything, and you're not open to change and accepting other people, then the limitations on your growth and success are just too tight. You're just never going to achieve what you really want to accomplish. Win Monday Nation, what is up? We are fired up to be here with you all today. And this is the first, it is one of a kind, the first time we have had two guests on at the same time. And we are battling with some heavyweights here. This is going to be a phenomenal conversation, not only about leadership and about coaching, about highest potential and becoming the best version of yourself, but we are learning from two of the best and brightest. So we're starting off. Marshall Goldsmith and Scott Osman, welcome to the Win Monday podcast. Very happy to be here. Great to be here with you, Paul. Absolutely. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We're deeply grateful. Let's dive right in because we met while we've known each other for some time. We met in person at your book launch party a uh, mm -hmm. matter of weeks ago. So we're coming off a big new launch of Becoming Coachable. So we certainly want to unpack that. And maybe we just start there as far as I always like to ask, and I'm saying this uh, literally a day off of my book launch, so <laughs> we've all launched books in the past few weeks here. How are you feeling? I love being asked that question because it's so raw, it's so real. A launch is such a massive milestone that drives so much future impact. How are both of you feeling right now? Well, I'll jump in first. Marshall, you know, Marshall's an old hand at this. Uh, I think Marshall's, <laughs> Marshall's had over 50 books and four, you know, New York Times bestsellers, two of which are on the top 100 books of all time. So I'll, I'll give you my new my newcomers feeling about it. Well, first of all, it's remarkable. You know, the achievement of producing a book is quite a thing. And um, as we worked on the book and started to understand it and know it and really work with the material, there was a lot of learning going on. But the part that's really struck me over the last week since the launch of the book is, you know, you write a book and that's mm -hmm. the book that you wrote. And then people read the book and they read something different, mm. right? Because they're reading it yes. through their lens and they're processing. And then when you interact with people, you learn more about the book and it becomes an organic experience of understanding and collaborating. And that part of it has really caught me by surprise, but it is absolutely delightful and enriching. Mm. Great. Yeah. And for me, this book is something that I've been talking about a lot, but really not written anything about is becoming coachable. Hmm. And what got me inspired was years ago, my coaching client was Alan Mulally. Alan, probably the greatest corporate leader in the world in the last 30 years. He was CO Ford. The stock goes from 101 to 1840 before he left. 97% approval rating from every employee in a union company. And if you read today's newspaper, and that's not easy. So when he left, people loved him and great success. I said, you know, Alan, of all the people I coached, I probably spent the least amount of time coaching you and you improved the most and you were great to start with. So I said, <laughs> Alan, I made a chart here. Well, one dimension is called time spent with me and the other dimension is improvement. There seems to be a negative relationship between spending time with me and getting better. I said, mm. the way my chart looks, if you never met me, you'd really be good. So I said, what should I learn about coaching from you? And he made a comment that kind of inspired this book. He said, Marshall, your biggest challenge as a coach is called customer selection. You work with great, dedicated people who have a good attitude. They want to get better. You're going to win. Mm. You work with the wrong clients. You're going to lose. 
And he said, never make coaching about yourself and your own ego and how smart you think you are. Make it about the great people you coach, how proud you are of these people. Well, that changed my life. I mean, I got ranked number one in coaching in the world for years. Why? Nobody knows I'm a good coach. I got great clients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and that led the whole thought about the key variable in coaching. Everybody acts like it's a coach. It isn't. It's the person being coached. That's, mm-hmm. that's more important. Hmm. Well, and, and I know that from hanging out in the NFL and NBA as an executive for 15 years. And obviously, when we hear the word coach here, we're taking more of a business lens. But typically, folks might think of sports and we mm-hmm. always associate coaching with sports. But same thing, Marshall and Scott. I mean, look, you need great players to win a lot of games. <laughs> I don't care how great the coach is, how good they are at the X's and O's. It matters. For sure, it does matter. For sure, coaching moves the needle. But it is not the only needle. So I I fully subscribe to the talent wins philosophy. All right. So to unpack this, we're talking to our Win Monday Nation that there's a ton of folks that are leading enterprises, organizations, cultures, and then there's good old classic leadership of self. So let's make this as holistic a conversation as possible. If we were to tap in to our Win Monday Nation and say, here are a few characteristics or attributes that the best leaders and high potential folks have in the world, but it applies to everybody in the universe. What are a few? Maybe Scott, we'll start with you and then we'll kick it over to Marshall. But what are a few characteristics and attributes that we should be drilling in on to become the best leader of self and others? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. That is such a that is a fundamental question, isn't it? And what we hear time and again is great leaders, great coachable people are open to change, mm. right? If you think you, I'm, a, I'm not going to steal Marshall's thunder here, but if you think you have all the answers, if you think you know everything and you're not open to change and accepting other people, then the limitations on your growth and success are just too tight. Yeah. You're just never going to achieve what you really want to accomplish. So mm-hmm. the first the first thing that everybody, I think, needs to fully embrace is that they need to be open to change. And then the second thing, and then I'll pause for Marshall. The second thing is open to feedback. Yes. It's all well and good to say you're willing to change. But if you're not willing to listen to the people around you and get that information as honestly and authentic and embrace it, then you're not going to be able to change because the blind spots and the things that you don't know are going to overwhelm the possibilities. And someone else who who is embracing that is going to, is going to win. Mm, love it. Yeah. You know, to build on what Scott just said, I have a little exercise called feed forward. Mm-hmm. And in feed forward, I teach people to ask for input, listen, like Scott talked about, learn as much as they can and deal with it in a very positive, non-judgmental way. And I would say, well, pick one thing you want to do better. Well, you don't have to have a coach to do that. It's one thing the book talks about, how mm-hmm. you can learn from everyone around you. And to build on what Scott said, I always say, I want you to pick one thing to improve, maybe be a better listener. Let's say you become a better listener. What happens to your score in treating people with respect? It goes up. What happens to customer satisfaction? It goes up. Every better family member gets better. And then I always tell people, back to Scott's point, if you can't think of even one thing you need to improve, pick humility. Mm. yeah yeah you you don't have anything to improve you better work on humility we all got stuff we need to do better and what's good about the book is really as a coach i'm much more of a facilitator than an expert and what we talk about in the book is how you can facilitate learning yourself you don't have to have a coach to be coachable and by the way 
one of the most common, when I do at the other end of the spectrum, coaching future CEOs, I talk to the boards a lot of times. One of the first questions they ask, is this person coachable? Yep. Any candidate to be a CEO has some flaws. We're all humans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They know mm-hmm. that. The question is, is this person coachable? Or is this something we're going to be living with for eternity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. To win Monday and beyond, we all know that confidence is the ante to play. And I want to help. So if you haven't already, head over to my website and take your very own confidence quiz, where you'll walk away knowing your confidence score, one to 100. You'll also get my 12 keys to build and sustain unshakable confidence. Your quiz is waiting at paulepsteinspeaks.com. Main navbar hit confidence quiz. Again, that's paulepsteinspeaks.com and you'll find your very own confidence quiz right there in the main navbar. With that, let's get back to the show. I always say and integrated into my practice, I my favorite people in the world, whether from a coaching lens or just folks that I like to hang out with, I say, if they can simultaneously rise in their confidence and their humility, I love people that master this beautiful intersection of confidence and humility, because when you have one without the other, it can get a little dangerous, but when you have both, it's a beautiful blend. So you're coaching some of the, both of you, you're coaching some of the top performers, achievers, leaders in the world. And so I would think that confidence is something that is somewhat of a through line, but maybe humility. And I, I'll just speak openly here. I have been around some folks that have some pretty impressive resumes, but they struggle a little bit with that humility thing. So for either of you, how can we work on if we're if our ego gets a little bit too inflated if humility is not one of our strengths at this time but we're aware of it and we want to work on it are there some practices processes that we should be developing our humility through marshall yeah i would if you want to demonstrate humility if you're have a married or you have a partner ask your husband wife or partner what can i do to be a better partner in our relationship And by the way, they may say, well, you know, dear, you have absolutely no room for improvement. That is theoretically (laughs) quite practically (laughs) unlikely. And, you know, I I do this little thing in my class. I say, do you believe customer satisfaction is important? Oh, yes. Should we ask our customers for ideas how we can improve? Yes. Do you have a husband, wife, or partner at home? Yes. Have you been asking that person, how can I be a better partner in this relationship? Silence. Mm, (laughs) You know, uh, yeah. Everybody wants to practice this stuff. You know what you do? Get out your cell phone and send a note to your husband, wife, or partner right now with one question on the text message. How can I be a better partner in our relationship? And Mm. by the way, you want to build a little humility. This question tends to be a good one for doing (laughs) for doing that. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Paul. You know what I've been observing is the challenge. I think that people have is they attach to the outcome and the judgment of that question, right? And I think what Marshall's great teaching is, is, you know, feedback's a gift. Mm -hmm. Someone gives you feedback and they share something that you can do better. Like there's no greater gift in the world. And instead of like fighting it and rejecting and challenging and everything else, just say thank you and start working on it. Mm. Yeah, Uh, it's great. So we're here, we're talking about folks that are growing and kind of an analogy we think of when it comes to businesses, we're climbing a ladder. We're, we're ultimately, we're climbing and that could mean an org chart or that could mean just becoming a better version of ourselves in the future. But let's talk about the hard stuff. 
Let's talk about the stuff that gets in the way of growth. What are some of the bigger things that we should be aware of that as you see high performers, high achievers, they've achieved success, but then they get stuck. So what are the typical things that get folks stuck? And then let's unpack that. And then of course, solution-oriented conversation. Then let's talk about how do we get unstuck? So first, what gets most folks stuck? And then how do we get unstuck? I'll take that one first. I, I have such empathy for leaders, I have to say, because you know you start your life and everything about life says, win, perform, achieve, mm-hmm. beat everybody else. Yep. And you do. And leaders get to positions of leadership because they've been able to do that. And they get rewarded for that all along the way. Mm-hmm. And then they become a leader. And all of a sudden, nobody even tells you this, it all becomes about making the people around you successful and supporting them and stepping back. I mean, Alan, you mentioned Alan Mullally before. Putting your own ego aside and making sure that everybody else is supported is practically an unnatural act. And I watch people go through that and struggle. And you know, they stammer like, how do I, how do I overcome this? Because it's a big, it's a big life change. And yet, when they're able to do it, and we all know this is true, right? When you're able to do it, the talent of the team is always going to be better and bigger than the talent of the individual. And by that leader getting out of the way, the rest of the team can flourish. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I like that one. The one that I'll mention is called adding too much value. Hmm. Now, Ah. Now, this one is a real problem, especially with technical people or founders, particularly, you know, adding too much value. Now, what does that mean? I'm young, smart, enthusiastic. I come to you with an idea. (laughs) Great idea. Rather than just saying great idea, our natural tendency is to say, oh, that's a nice idea. Why don't you add this to it? Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is the quality of the idea may go up 5%. My commitment may go down 50%. It's no longer my idea, boss. Now it's your idea. It is very difficult for smart, successful people not to constantly go through life adding value. One of my good coaching clients retired a few years ago, J.P. Garnier. He was a CEO of GlaxoSmith client. I said, what'd you learn about leadership as a CEO of this company? And by the way, everyone listening, he gave me one lesson. Every time you get promoted in life, as Scott said, this lesson will become more real. He said, my suggestions become orders. Mm. Now, say they're smart, they're orders, and if they're stupid, they're orders. And if I want them to be orders, I don't want them to be orders, orders anyway. My suggestions become orders. I said to JP, what'd you learn from me when I was your coach? He said, you taught me one lesson, help me be a better leader and have a happier life. I said, what is it? He said, before I speak, breathe. Mm. And ask one question, is it worth it? Mm. He said, as the CEO of this big company, 50% of the time, if I had the discipline to stop and breathe and just ask, is it worth it? What did I decide? Am I right? Maybe. Is it worth it? No. Ah, beautiful. Beautifully said. Okay. So actually, Paul, if we can go ahead, because uh, yeah. we do want to, you know, this is, this is applicable for everybody. That mm-hmm. is true when you're the head of a company. And as Marshall said, probably also true with your spouse. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. If your spouse tells you something, if you breathe for a moment and just say, is my comment back worth it? Or should I just say thank you or yes? Much happier life. <laughs> That's a good one, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Look, I, I'm a massive believer. And, and as is our entire Win Monday community here, we don't subscribe to the work life balance conversation. At the end of the day, you're going to work mm-hmm. more hours than you do anything else. But we do subscribe 
to the work-life integration and the work-life harmony piece. So let's go there. You're having conversations with folks that have achieved a tremendous amount of, we'll call it success. And it's largely at work. It's in business. It's whatever they choose to do for a living. But then when we really, as a coach, we get to know folks. I, I, I don't know who I want to source it appropriately, but I've heard a quote recently that they say, you know, you, you could find 50 or 60 or 70 brands of coaching, one of which is executive. But at the end of the day, we're all kind of life coaches in disguise. <laughs> you know, like you get to really understand the person and all of the things. How do you navigate when you're having conversations that they've achieved, they've got every trophy in the chest, more money than they know what to do with, but they're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They feel broken on the inside. They, they probably have over-indexed on work for decades and they ask themselves, how the heck did I get here? Hmm. What do you do in that scenario? Uh, you know, I'm going to start on this one. I know. <laughs> one of the things that it's very hard for people in the West to realize is that happiness and achievement are independent variables. Mm. And mm -hmm. so what happens is we become fixated on results, which is not a bad thing. The problem is we think results are going to bring us joy and happiness. Wrong, mm. wrong, wrong. I mean, you work with a lot of athletes. Well, who's the greatest swimmer in history? Maybe the greatest Olympian in history, Michael Phelps. What do you think about doing after winning all his gold medals? Killing himself. Yeah. yeah I'm the coach, uh, Albert Berla, CEO of Pfizer, one of the most successful CEOs in the world the last few years, right? So I asked Albert a couple of years ago, Albert, how's it going? He said, good year. You know, stock all-time high, vaccine, save lives, you know, on and on. I said, what's your challenge? He said, simple, next year. Now, hmm. your point is very well taken. I coach a lot of billionaires. And I'll tell you, some are very happy and some are miserable. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be happy with money. Money's not going to make you happy. That's a common myth. You need to learn one thing. Happiness and achievement are independent variables. Love achieve that. to achieve and be happy to be happy. Those are two different issues, and you have to make them both priorities in life, and they're not the same thing. One of the guys in our group uh, was Safi Bacall, brilliant author. He said, mm. I finally realized this. He's a scientist. Happiness and achievement are independent variables. I said, you know, Safi, I'm glad you realized that. You already have a PhD in physics from Stanford. <laughs> you were in the New York Times bestselling book called Loon Shots. You've made millions and millions of dollars, successfully started four companies and consulted with presidents. Now, if that is not enough achievement to make you happy, do you really think a little bit more is going to make any difference? Mm. He said, you're right. You're right. I mean, how much long-term happiness does any of this stuff bring? A minute, a day, a month? Let's say you win the championship, win the Super Bowl. Look at mm -hmm. that. Ex-Super Bowl winners often turn into complete and total disasters. Just disasters. Why? They never get that glory again. Well, yeah. they never well, get that um, glory. You know, Marshall, Marshall wrote for New York Times bestselling books, one of which you know, has maybe one of the best titles of all time. What got you here won't get you there. Ah, one of my favorites. Yeah. He wrote another book called Triggers, which is also one of the top hundred books of all time, business books of all time. And in that book, he recommends that we do daily questions. And I've actually been doing them now, gosh, three years. But one of the questions 
is so poignant for this question that you just asked. And that is one of his, one of the six daily questions that he says everybody should ask is, did I try my best to be happy? Mm. And it sounds so simple and mm. obvious. And yet too few people even consider, like, are they trying to be happy? I mean, let's face it, like happiness doesn't just happen to you. You know, I mean, you have all this achievement, everything else, and like you think that's going to make you happy. Like you've got to actually put some intention to being happy and figure out what makes me happy and and do more of that. Yeah. 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 And some of that's in the mirror. And also some of that can be environmental. You know, I know there's a lot of opinions out there in the world about, hey, I, I know some folks and I've taken chapters of my life where I'm what I call news light. I rarely will watch the news because mm-hmm. it impacted my mood and my energy and my attitude. And I'm like, man, you're just dividing a lot of, I'm a unifier. So I had to realize maybe I need to change my routine and my practice and my consumption because it's hurting my happiness. It's hurting my optimism. So I, I, that can be a, a very small, simple, but powerful example. That's one of my daily questions. <laughs> Marshall, Marshall taught me this. I'm not going to mention the name of the celebrity because it doesn't matter. But he said, you know, all these people are following the celebrity all the time. And like she's drunk and she's doing this and she's doing that. And I don't, it's not making them any happier following her. And she doesn't care about them. What are they wasting their time for? And I realized like, as I follow like all these things in the world that I have no impact on, right? It's not making me happier. And I start focusing on the things that I can have an impact on and the things that make me happy. And all of a sudden I have a better life. Mm. Yeah, I wanna go back to your point that you just made about the news. Mm. You may have already seen this research, but it's pretty compelling. People who watch the local news have a far less realistic view of the world than people who never watch it. If you mm. watch the local news every day, you think all people do is kill each other. Yep. You know, there's all this murder yeah. and crime and drama and everything. And the reality is they have a not more realistic view of the world. Mm. They're actually less well-informed because of this perverted view that life, everyone in the world is a villain almost. And that's the way they start thinking about life. So I love what you just said. And very important, especially with kids, to teach them you know, what are you watching? Social media, as Scott mentioned, video games. How are you spending your life here? And very important to realize this time is important. And you've really got to watch this stuff. So I like what you just said about the news. It applies to a lot of things. Hey, Paul, I'm going to bring this back to the book for just a second. Sure, please. The third thing in the openness framework is being open to taking action. And a lot of what we're talking about, and this is not, you know, this isn't only for you know, senior leaders, this is for everybody. Like it's, you know, you want to be open to change and you want to be open to feedback. But the third thing you need to do is do something about it. it and being open to take the action, stop watching the news, like start putting, you know, the focus, like consider happiness for yourself. And that's where the real change is going to happen. Well, you know, back to Scott's point, you're not going to get better because you read a book or have a coach. You have Mm -hmm. to work. It's like, and by the way, you've got to keep doing it. It's not like, well, gee, I'm in shape. Therefore, I don't have to work out anymore. That doesn't exactly work out. You are Mm -hmm. in shape and you need to continue working out. Well, it's the same thing of what we teach. You need to keep looking at continuous improvement as part of your life for two reasons. This was the book says, what got you here won't get you there. Look, you may be doing great now. The world is changing. You got to learn new things. Right now, I'm I'm. Most of my time is spent on developing a computer bot, my own AI computer bot, which I'm working mm-hmm. on right now. Well, you know, 
a year ago, I didn't know there was such a thing. And now all of a sudden I'm spending, I spent nine hours the other day working on this thing. It's very exciting. So you've got to continually be, how can I continue growing and learning? Because, you know, Bob Dylan has a good saying, he who is not busy being born is busy dying. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a good way to look at life. We're always being born. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Paul, when we were talking about the title of the book, we could have, I think, I think become coachable might've been a possibility for a moment, but Mm -hmm. then we realized becoming coachable because it's an ongoing process. Uh, right it's never a destination this is something that you continue to do for the rest of your life yeah it's great it's to your point it's a marriage of past present and future because i i think the beauty of life and i'm sure we would all as kindred spirits agree on this every day there's a reset button every day Mm -hmm. you get to decide how am i going to show up you have to decide to take action right like even the through line in my two books power of playing offense and better decisions faster people always say what are the things that people that play offense do from a mindset perspective different than defense? Couple of themes. One, decisive. Two, very comfortable with imperfect action. Mm. And then they avoid the worst decision of them all, which is indecision. Right. And that's essentially where you brought us because you have to decide to act. And also, Scott, you mentioned earlier, becoming too obsessed with the outcome versus just taking action. Mm-hmm. We only take action when we think it's going to work out or when people won't judge us, but that's just not reality. <laughs> so as we come down the home stretch here, a couple of things that I'll call out. One is we all subscribe to this belief that leadership, it's not about rank, role, title, authority. It very much is in the world of a trainable set of behaviors. I believe leadership can 100% be developed, and that's why we built our Win Monday community. We can always develop that. So if my question to you is, Let's look at the leaders of today, the best leaders of today, not just in business, but overall, whoever comes to mind for you both. And then let's think of, let's wave a wand and say, what are the best leaders in 10 to 20 years look like? Are they the same evergreen principles that will work in the future? Or are you challenging folks to kind of future-proof their leadership? So I'd love to kind of have that present to future conversation. Mm-hmm. In this case, I studied high potential young people. And that's the exact question. And I didn't ask the leaders of today. I asked the future leaders. Probably the leaders today going to be dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I asked people going to be the leaders of tomorrow. <laughs> and five factors come up. One is yeah. global thinking. Leadership mm. used to be much, much more local, the tribe, the cave, the village the country. Now it's global. Number two is cross-cultural appreciation. I mean, you can't just look at America anymore. You have to look at the world. We live in a world. We don't just live in a country. Then number three is, and I've worked on this myself, technological savvy. I'm developing my own AI computer bot. Well, you know, I'm proud of this. I'm 75 years old. I'm still doing this. This is new. And I've spent hours on it and it's exciting. You need to look at new technology. You can't ignore technology. I'm not a technologist. On the other hand, I got to look at new technology. How do we use this stuff? And then building alliances and partnerships are going to become more important than ever. Why? Leadership used to be more this way. Now it's more that way. And all kinds of places. And then finally, Scott, and this is something we talk about in the book, Mm -hmm. the leader is a facilitator, not a dictator. The leader Mm -hmm. is going to be facilitating Mm -hmm. learning 
And Scott, you can move it from here. That's what this whole yeah. book is about, facilitating learning, key quality for the leader of the future. I'd also say back to your earlier good point. So for the leader of the future and also for the individual achiever who just wants to get better. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, Paul, we get this question a lot. And uh, I hear people say like, Elon Musk is a great leader or Steve Jobs was a great leader or whatever. And I think people often confuse people who do great things mm. with great leadership, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, there's no question Elon Musk has changed our world dramatically. I mean, he is one of the great innovators. I mean, he's, you know, the equivalent of a, of a Henry Ford level innovator, the things that he's done, but that doesn't necessarily make him a great leader, right? It may, for his shareholders from time to time, it's great, but great leaders in my experience are quieter. Great leaders, again, well, I, it's easy to refer back to Alan Mulally, but also Hubert Jolie and a number of the people that we know well. The great leaders, they're not out front as much anymore. The great leaders are making sure that other people are getting the praise and the attention. The great leaders are bringing great people through their organization and having them go on to succeed. There's a professor at uh, Tuck. Who uh, mm-hmm. Sid Finkelstein, who wrote a book called Super Bosses, and oh, he great identified yeah. great book, right? Mm-hmm. He identified well, like uh, what is uh, Joe Walsh, right? Coaches who bring junior coaches into their system, and the junior coaches doesn't last very long. Uh, John Stewart, another one, brings talented people in the system. Talented people don't last very long, but they go and they have tremendous impact in other organizations. I think it was something like thirty head coaches came out of that system or like John Stewart, the amazing comedians that came out of his system. It's a virtuous cycle. It's because, a tree, right? It's a tree. And then it's, it's a t- well, the talent it's a tree. vacuum. Yep. The best talent is going to want to go and work for that great leader Bingo. because they know that great talent gets processed through that leader and goes on and do its great things. And I think great leadership of the future is going to be the kind of leadership that grows talent and then sends them on their way and creates room for more great talent. And the ability to do that is, you know, that is, that's what creates growth and value and flourishing for the company, for the people who work for the company and for all leaders. Love the spirit of Win Monday? Then join the Win Monday community, an elite tribe of like-minded and like-hearted people just like you and I on a mission to get 1% better every day with unshakable confidence. For Win Monday gear, motivation, and exclusive content just for you, you can find it all at paulepsteinspeaks.com. In the main navbar, click on Community. paulepsteinspeaks.com, main navbar, hit Community. With that, welcome in, and let's get back to the show. Yeah, fantastic point, Scott and Marshall. And as we come up to our last question, what I'd love to invite you to is now that we have inspired countless folks within our Win Monday community and nation, Becoming Coachable is the new book. And so for one, where can we find the book? And also where can we tap into both your thought leadership? Essentially, how do we get into your world? Because I know we're just going to rally the troops to, to become more coachable. So where do we find you? Where do we follow you? Absolutely. Well, there is a Becoming Coachable website, becomingcoachable.com. And you can find all the places to buy the book there. Of course, Amazon and everywhere books are sold is certainly a place to go. We are Our intention is actually to begin a conversation. There's a new platform called Honor Education that you'll be able to find on Becoming Coachable, right. where we are going to engage with people on the topics in the book, 
in an asynchronous, but I think really thriving way. Of course, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm, I love love being connected to people. I have a newsletter there. The 100 Coaches Agency is agency.100coaches.com. You can find us there. And uh, Marshall, I know Marshall is probably one of the best people I know at responding to email. And really, he is truly one of the most generous people in terms of sharing his thoughts and insights and just connection. Uh, yeah. So, but I'll, I'm not going to share his email for you. <laughs> but uh, but you can like find Marshall everywhere. I share everything. And yep, uh, he does. Also, my bot is coming up. That's going to be available. So, oh, yeah. You're going to see in this future call, you're not going to know it's me or my bot because the thing looks, I've seen the video, it looks just like me. So, yeah. you're going to be able to ask this. AI bot questions and I'm going to, it can answer better than me most of the time already. And so this yeah. is going to be available for free. My email, Marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. Somebody has a question, send me a question or, you know, just send me a comment or whatever. And also, you know, I'm happy to send people articles, research. I got a website, www.marshallgoldsmith.com. You know, so just come there. So I give everything away anyway. So yep. go, to, go to YouTube. I've got a zillion videos on YouTube. So just go to YouTube, my website, there's plenty of LinkedIn. I have one and a half million followers on LinkedIn. So a lot of people read mm-hmm. my stuff there. Yep. I guess Marshall gave his email. Mine is scott at 100coaches.com. So I'm, I'm also really, really excited to meet anybody who's, uh, who's listening and wants to reach out. Now, one Absolutely. other thing. One other go ahead. Thing. Go ahead. I live in Nashville. And mm. if you're in Nashville and you're listening and you want to go for a walk, I go for a walk almost every day I'm home. And if you're in uh-huh. Nashville, you just send me an email and maybe we go for a walk. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. That was awesome. And if we we definitely have folks in Nashville. So be careful, Marshall. They're going to be knocking on your door. You know, I'm going for a walk. Marshall's I'm walking I'm anyhow. Marshall, he's walking regardless. Uh, it and maybe is, that- honestly, not enough people take him up on it. It's one of the great treats in life to go for a walk with Marshall. So I'll, I'll give that recommendation to anybody who wants to take him up on it. Yeah, I go for a walk anyway. I love to go with people. Sometimes I've had as many as eight or 10 people at once. We all go for a walk together, talk, smash. Yeah. And maybe taking a walk could be a response here, but here's going to be our final question. This is just a quick hit because in the spirit of winning Monday, I'm just a massive believer that the small things matter. So the question for you both as we close out here is what's one thing, one way that our listeners and our nation and our community can win Monday. It can be a small practice, a process, just a bite-sized thing wide open to your thoughts. I'm going to go back to what we said before, which is when you wake up on Monday morning, ask yourself, did I try my best to be happy? Mm. I, I think that question is so profound and so overlooked that it's it's the real game changer. Marshall, what would you say? I think we talk about six questions overall. They all begin with, oh, did I do my best to? Why? Mm-hmm. I can't blame that on somebody else then. Did I do my best to set clear goals, to make progress toward achieving my goals, to be happy, as Scott said, to find meaning, to build positive relationships, and to be fully engaged? I do my best to do these things. My daughter, Kelly, here in Nashville, is head of the marketing department at Vanderbilt. She taught me this idea of asking questions to begin with, did I do my best to? You know what? Mm-hmm. can't blame somebody else. Yeah. you got to look in the mirror. And every month Sorry. you wake up, you ask yourself these, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Hey, did I do my best to do that stuff? And yeah, start measuring it. And by the way, again, send me an email. I'll send you the research on this. It's pretty amazing. Mm. Buy the other book. We should we should do a two for one book, Marshall. You buy becoming coachable 
also by triggers. But triggers lays it out beautifully. How to do that, the research is in there. It is it is a game changer. Yeah, and really where I want to leave this conversation, because you beautifully have landed the plane, both of you, is even though I asked for one thing, they were questions. And, and so I want to impress this upon our Win Monday Nation. Questions followed by action. You have to ask yourself the right questions, triggers and beyond. We can find this treasure trove. Mm -hmm. This conversation has given you a handful of which to choose from. Do them all. But then you have to make a decision to act. It's not just asking questions to ask. It's question to decision to action. And that's a beautiful place to lead this conversation. So Scott, Marshall, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining Win Monday. Yeah, thank you, Paul. It's been a real pleasure. Another fire episode of the Win Monday podcast is in the books. If you gain value from today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe and share it as we grow our Win Monday nation together. Until the next time, let the rest of the world fantasize about Friday. You and I, we choose to win Monday. Monday.